Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Hey, how you doing? Good morning, church. Last Sunday of the year, last Sunday of the decade. Got your Bibles? Grab your Bibles with me and uh, find the book of Isaiah. We can't, we can't finish this amazing Christmas backstory without turning to Isaiah chapter 9. Love for you to find that with me, Isaiah chapter 9. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and uh, give a wink or a wave to our wonderful ushers and usherettes. <laughs> and then uh, John chapter 10. Throw something into John 10. I want to show you something in there that uh, you've probably seen, but maybe never had explained to you or kind of uh, connected the dots. Do you need a Bible? Up here, second row, guys. All the way up front. Ushers, work the whole room, please, if you would, please. No, I'm kidding. You guys are amazing. Right here. So Isaiah 9, got it? John 10, getting it? And then uh, Haggai. I know you were already there for your morning devotion, but uh, Haggai, the second chapter. There's only two chapters in Haggai. I'll save chapter 1. Uh, for your personal study, it'd be a great way for you to wrap up the decade and just sort of evaluate maybe a little uh, personal inventory in, in where the Lord has been prioritized in your life this year. Um, and, and certainly where you want to commit to see Him prioritized in the coming year. That would be awesome uh, for you to do. Just take a little time for... Uh, that personal inventory, Haggai chapter 1 is a great place to do that. So I'll save that first half of Haggai and, and, uh, and we'll drop in on the very tail end of, of, uh, of chapter 2 uh, as, we wrap this, as we wrap this series up. So uh, Isaiah 9, John 10, Haggai, that'll take you a good 10 minutes to find. So we'll end with Haggai, that'll give you some time. Um, so I'm going to read some Scripture to you, give you a little bit of a, a historical perspective. Maybe some in the room might think I'm going to go a little heavy on history. I'm actually going to use my education a little bit with you this morning, but then we'll kind of wrap it up in a fun way with a, a, a black gospel choir and, and a little word from Kanye West. Amen? How's that sound? I thought that'd be fun, like a good balanced perspective, the history balanced out with a little... Uh, a little choir time in Kanye West. So, uh, okay, here's the title, The Light in the Temple. Uh, that's the headline on our Christmas backstory for today, The Light in the Temple. And, uh, and, and so, we'll kind of we'll tie in this idea here. This is actually the menorah, the Hanukkah menorah. Uh, a difference there, by the way. Uh, the menorah itself has seven uh, spots for light for candles, and then the Hanukkah uh, has nine, 
for the eight days of Hanukkah, four on either side and one in the center as the source. And as much as we have celebrated Christmas, as much as we've uh, opened our presents and exchanged them with one another and, um, and, and gathered as family and, and uh, come to Christmas Eve services and everything, Hanukkah is still going on. Christmas is over, Hanukkah is still going on. Uh, tonight and then tomorrow uh, will be the final completion of the Hanukkah celebration. And my wife's Jewish. I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, we were doing a little bit of our own personal backstory, as a lot of you probably have as well, through whether, you know, uh, Ancestry.com, whatever it might be. And lo and behold, on one of the family crests on Bonnie's side of the family, not on mine, I'm not Jewish, I'm as hockey Canadian as it gets, uh, traced back to England, but on Bonnie's side, lo and behold, on one of the family crests was the Jewish star. And uh, she began to dig around and realized that on, on her side of the family, her, her maiden name is Zastopol. Zastopol. Uh, we went to Prague a number of years ago, wanted to do a little bit. She's Czech. Czech-Russian uh, is Zastopol. When we went to Prague, we wanted to do a little, a little backstory history on on, on, her, on her maiden name. And we went to this guy and said, hey, would you kind of guide us through this? Would you help us with this? And he said, sure, I'd be glad to. What's, what's the name that you're interested in tracing? And, we, and she said, Zestopol. And he laughed. He said, <laughs> we narrow it down. And for us here, uh, Zestopol sounds sort of, you know, rare and unique and, and foreign. But in Prague, it's like Jones. <laughs> it's like Smith. <laughs> uh, but we were able to trace it back. And uh, since Bon is Jewish, guess what? Her kids are Jewish. Doesn't matter if the dad is. Doesn't matter if the dad is or not. If the mom is, the kids are. And so uh, that was pretty fascinating, super fun. So this is off of our mantle. Uh, in our living room, one of the first things you see when you walk into our home, and I'm going to tie that in this morning uh, to the backstory of Christmas. I don't know if anyone's ever done that for you, so uh, uh, let's jump in. Look at, look at this amazing passage here that actually dates back prophetically hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, that's accurate, 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus Christ in the manger. Uh, the Lord God Almighty would give this word of prophecy uh, to Isaiah in chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her. The gloom will not be. That's, that's forward thinking because it's heavy upon her as Isaiah writes. Uh, but here's the relief that's on the way. This is what Christmas provides. Here's the promise. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, that would be two of the twelve tribes of Israel, and afterward more heavily oppressed her. So it's getting worse. It's a downward spiral. There's a depression going on, and it's getting heavy, and it's getting hard, and the weight of it is just backbreaking. It is just heavy upon them and, and, and getting worse. Lightly esteemed at first, 
getting worse. Afterward, more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people, verse 2, who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Now, Hanukkah is the celebration of light. So, tie this in with me. Here's the promise of Christmas. He is the light. He's the light of the world. And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, we looked at that. That was part of our backstory series. Uh, Literally, Psalm 23, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. There's there's the hope of the gospel. There's the promise of the coming one, our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 3, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. The war has been won. The victor has come. Our deliverer has been delivered, for you have broken the yoke of his burden. Verse 4, amazing. You have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Remember the Midianites? Who comes against the Midianites? Gideon and his little teeny bunch of 300 go against the Midian. And and as in the day of, when the rod of the oppressor, when the staff was heavy on his shoulder, the breaking of the yoke of his burden, it's been lifted. Look at verse 5. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood. Look, 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 look will be used for burning and fuel of fire. Those elements of war will be transformed and and, and become useful in a new capacity. Why? Here's why. Verse 6. Read it with me. Come on, church. Read it out loud. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called, come on, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be, come on, no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. For the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Hallelujah! Wow, what a promise. That is the backstory and the results prophetically of what Christmas provides. Incredible. The significance of, of this birth of this baby, this child. Look at verse 6. Child's capitalized. It's not any kid. God's kid. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This child to be born. Unto us a Son, capital S. Not any Son. The Son of God given and the government will be upon His shoulder. He will carry our burdens. He will carry us. Wow. Wow. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. My goodness. And so it's just absolutely beautiful. And, 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 and get this, and, and a much-needed word of hope and promise to the people living during the days of Isaiah. Now, when Isaiah writes, chronologically, it's at the end of the Old Testament. And uh, they have been 
strewn about. They have been dispersed. They have been brutalized. They've been abused. As the Jewish people have throughout history, we even pray for them even now in New York as many were attacked last night. Last night in the Hanukkah celebrations attack. Uh, They needed a word of hope. They needed a word of promise, and God gives it to them here in Isaiah chapter 9. They were brutally treated by Pharaoh in Egypt. We've seen this in our Christmas backstory. It's on the internet if you missed that particular weekend and how the birth of the baby Moses, a deliverer would be born and, and, and how, how Pharaoh sought and hunted to take his life, threatened, right, by what ultimately he in the name of Yahweh would accomplish for the people in setting them free and how, how the similarities are just amazing between the birth of Moses the deliverer and the birth of Jesus our deliverer and how Herod hunted him as much as Pharaoh hunted Moses. And here they're still being hunted. They are when Isaiah writes. In fact, Egypt isn't their only time of captivity and slavery. When else did they go into captivity? You remember when they they broke the law of God and they didn't keep the Shabbat, they didn't keep the Sabbath, and so into captivity once again, he permits and allows them to go under the taskmaster control and and, 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 and heavy-handed abuse of Nebuchadnezzar. They go off to Babylon for 70 years. And there Daniel writes, and Ezekiel writes, right, and Ezra writes, and then ultimately God moves on the heart of Artaxerxes, who allows Nehemiah and Ezra to begin allowing the people to go back from Babylon and return to Israel and rebuild the walls of of Jerusalem. Remember, that's the whole story of the book of Nehemiah. They're building 52 days. Those walls are still there if you go visit Jerusalem with us. And in addition to building the walls of Jerusalem, the temple is restored. Well, guess what? Guess what? It's all happened again. History's repeated itself. The temple that Solomon built is destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And now the temple that is restored, the second temple, the second temple period by Zerubbabel, that temple is now in disarray because, because they came and they took all the artifacts to Babylon. And now it's, 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 it's needing to be restored as well. And here God writes to them and says, I haven't forgotten you for unto you a child is born. And he's going to win the war for you. And unto you a son is given, you see. But also now historically in the times of Isaiah and towards the very end of the Old Testament, many of you know this even better than I do. Here's a little bit of a history lesson for you. There's this guy named Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes, and he comes also to destroy the temple and the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel, Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus is his name, Epiphanes is his title, and Epiphanes literally means the visible God. Antiochus, the visible God. He thought he was the personification of Zeus. And Israel gives him a nickname. Israel calls him, instead of Antiochus Epiphanes, Israel called him Antiochus Epimenes. Epimenes means the crazy one. Antiochus the crazy one. And 
And, and, and he was, man. This, this guy was ruthless. He was like Nebuchadnezzar. He was like the Pharaoh. He was, he, he was, like, he was like Herod. He was like Caesar. And, uh, and many of you who grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, this part would have actually been in your Apocrypha. It would have been in your intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, 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 and a guy shows up to push back Antiochus Epiphanes. A guy shows up to push back the darkness that is invading Israel, and his name was Judah Mac. Maccabees. And the Maccabees, Maccabees literally means the hammer. The hammer came down on, on, on Antiochus Epiphanes, this, this, this guy who thought he was the visible personification of Zeus, and Israel calls him the crazy guy. And, 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 and the Maccabean period of history is a fascinating period of history. It's not in our Bible, but it's still a great historical record. It's, it's, it's something that you should be fascinated by because it brings liberation to Israel once again and allows the temple to be restored. And what Hanukkah celebrates is the rededication of the temple once they escape the abuse and slavery under the, un, under the hand of Antiochus Epiphanes. And Judah Maccabees leads that re revolt. And there's this miracle story as the temple is restored of the oil lasting, right? The oil, they only had enough oil for one day. They wouldn't use candles. They would use oil to keep the flame burning. And they only had enough oil for one day. And miraculously, the oil lasted, come on, how long? Eight days, total eight days. That's Hanukkah, the eight days of Hanukkah, the eight days of celebration. And it was celebrating the, the, the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem. Hanukkah, literally in Hebrew, the word Hanukkah means dedication. That's what it means. And so they're celebrating the dedication that Judah Maccabees brought when Antiochus Epiphanes was, was, was wiped out and destroyed. And, and they celebrate that every year according to the Jewish calendar, which is based on the, on the, on the lunar rotation, right? It's a, it's a lunar calendar, the, the Hebrew calendar. That's why Passover is always, you know, sort of rotating. Sometimes it lands on Easter, sometimes it doesn't. And Hanukkah the same way. Hanukkah is based on the lunar calendar of the Jewish calendar, and Hanukkah is always celebrated on the 24th of Kislev on the Jewish calendar. That's one of the months in the Jewish, in the, in the Jewish year. It's the ninth month, Kislev, but it is then set by the lunar calendar, and so it can fall sometimes uh, on Christmas, but always right around Christmas. Ours the 25th of December on the Gregorian calendar, theirs the 24th of Kislev on the Jewish calendar. Now, some will say the 25th, okay? And uh, I'll grant you that. Some say Hanukkah celebrated on the 25th of Kislev. I'm not going to argue it. I'll chew the rag on it for a second with you, though, in the sense that if you know anything about the Jewish holidays and celebrations, even that of Shabbat, even that of the Sabbath. Sabbath is the Saturday, but when do you start celebrating Sabbath? Huh? Friday at, at sunset. So, Hanukkah, 25th of Kislev, actually begins to be celebrated when? On the 24th, at, sun, at sunset. So just mark that down. The 24th of Kislev is a very, very important date because it is the celebration of the dedication of the temple. It's, it's literally celebrating Hanukkah, which means dedication, okay? You're like, that's nice and all, but it's, it's like other than this amazing passage in, in Isaiah chapter 9, you're just like giving us like historical culture. Well, let me see if I can shed a little bit of light on this whole backstory for you. 
by asking you to turn with me to John chapter 10. Turn to John 10. Now, I don't know if you've ever had anyone help you connect the dots here, but, but the promise of Isaiah is that although they are walking in darkness, they will see a great light that upon them, even in the shadow of death, light has shined. That is the miraculous story of Hanukkah that celebrates the dedication of the temple. Okay, with that in mind, look what happens in John chapter 10. Uh, Pick it up with me in verse 22. Here it is on the big screen. Look what it says. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem. Y'all see that? You with me? Class, you tracking? Okay, then what is the Hebrew word for dedication? Jesus, in John 10, is walking into Jerusalem celebrating Hanukkah, the feast of dedication. Practically every, if not all, theologians and commentaries would point to the feast of dedication in John chapter 10 being the celebration of Hanukkah. You want a little bit more proof? What time of year was it? It was winter. This is like, let me just like, just going to drop that in there for you, says the disciple John. Just dropping it. It was winter. It's the Feast of, de- of Dedication. You should have already filled in in your Bible. If you've got a little margin spot right there, Hanukkah! Jesus walks into the temple. Now, he, he uses that as a springboard to declare now for his audience some of the most amazing things prophetically that he has, that he has ever pronounced, okay? He, he uses this as the opportunity now to say some things that are absolutely astonishing. I want you to see that. Look at verse 24. Then the Jews surrounded him. Okay, so they're all there. They're all celebrating Hanukkah. It's the Feast of Dedication. Jesus walks into the temple. They surround him and they say this, how long, how long do you keep us in doubt? Literally, it's their, it's, it, it, it's their, it's their celebration, their Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah, which is the celebration of light. And what do they say? How long are you going to keep us in the dark? How long are you going to keep us in the dark? How long are you going to keep us in suspense here? How long are you going to keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, then tell us plainly. And what does Jesus say? I told you. I've already told you. You just didn't believe it. That's pretty fascinating for you to share with your non-believing friends. Some of them that are still suspicious whether or not Jesus is God. And where in Scripture does he ever actually say or declare that he is? Uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, actually, the celebration of Hanukkah, he says, I, I told you. He doesn't say, oh, shh, 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 we're not telling anyone that. We're keeping the cat in the bag, playing a little Easter egg hunt here. I'll tell you if you're getting warmer. No, he says, I already told you this. You just didn't believe me. I've already declared this to you. I already told you. You just didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you didn't believe You didn't believe because you're not of my sheep, as I said to you. In other words, I already told you that too. You're not of my flock. You're not of my sheep. Well, that's pretty fascinating since he's speaking to who? Israel. Speaking to the Jews. That got him hot under the collar. I just might want you to know that here. We watch where it goes with me. And then he says this, verse 27, my sheep 
Here's the differentiation. My sheep hear my voice. So if you were to kind of like just, again, do a little bit of a personal inventory, over the course of the last decade, have you grown in your ability to recognize His voice? I mean, above all the other noise and chatter that fills your brain, have you recognized His voice? Have you grown to hear His voice, to follow His word? He goes, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I will give them eternal life. Here's the goodie. Let's just open the goodie bag for a second. Here's what you got for Christmas. They get eternal life, man, and they'll never perish. I have a, I've accomplished this. I've destroyed their worst enemy, death. They'll never perish. They'll have eternal life. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now watch this. Watch what he says. Neither will anyone snatch them out of my hand, he says. Red letters. John chapter 10. Now watch where he goes. Verse 29. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of his hand either. For, one more verse. For I and my Father, what? Say it. Say it. Are one. Hallelujah. My goodness, that is awesome. At least I think it's awesome because I hear His voice. I think it's awesome because I'm one of His sheep. They didn't think it was awesome at all. Hey, Doc. They didn't think it was... Kind of makes you wonder, well, uh, whose flock am I in? Whose voice am I listening to? Whose team am I playing on? Look at verse 31. The Jews took stones to stone him. So much they didn't like this, guys. They took stones to stone him. And Jesus answered and said, Many good works I have shown. I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works? A question. Which of those works now do you stone me? The Jews answered and said, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. You just, you just equated yourself with God, man. You just equated yourself with God. And because you being a man make yourself God? Now, now, now please, context. What's going on? Feast of, feast of dedication. What's that? Hanukkah. Hanukkah's celebration of recapturing the temple from who? Antiochus Epiphanes, who thought he was and they're like, oy vey, it's history repeating itself. We got another visible God on our hands, boys. We got another one who thinks he's Zeus. This is, this, you, you make yourself God. Jesus answered, verse 34, Jesus answered and said, it's not written in your law. I said, you are God's. And if he called them God's to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, there's a nice parenthesis for you. Scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Underline that word sanctified. You know what that word is? Literally, it's the word dedicated. What's dedicated in Hebrew? Hanukkah. It's the feast of dedication. He's meeting them right where they're at. You say of him whom the Father has dedicated? You, you say of him whom the Father sanctified? You say of him whom the Father calls holy and sent into this world that you're blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, then believe the works 
that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore, oh, now they're hot. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. That's studly. He just escaped out of their hands. Don't be buying into this cultural perspective of a sissy Jesus. He is, you know, they, are, they, they, they tried this once before in Nazareth, right, when they were going to throw him off a cliff, and he just went in the midst of them, just escaped in the midst of them, and here again he escapes out of their hand. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John, John the Baptist was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. And many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. I pray with all my heart, church, that this isn't a history lesson. I pray with all my heart this entire series that we have learned so much and appreciated the value of the backstories that go into the meaning and purpose and fulfillment of Christmas would be life-changing, just like that verse 42 says, many believed in Him there. So there's the backstory. He is celebrating a non-compulsory feast called Hanukkah. He is there to celebrate the Feast of Dedication. That's rad. Because in their thinking, they're coming to him and saying, how long are you going to keep us in the dark here? Just finally, for once and for all, tell us, tell us, tell us. Are, here's what they're thinking. Historically based, here's what they're thinking. You know what they're thinking? Are you our Judah Maccabees? Are you here as our deliverer because we have our own Antiochus Epiphanes. It's called Herod, man. It's Caesar. It's the Roman rule. And we need to deliver. Are you that guy? That's what they're thinking. Or are you some crazy madman? And he points through the celebration of Hanukkah, through the dedication feast, he points them to himself. You know what he says? I'm your light, and I'm your temple. And he would go on later and he would say, you destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. I'm your light, and I'm your temple. I'm not some crazy, blaspheming madman who thinks he's Zeus. I and the Father are one. I am your miraculous light. Jesus literally in John chapter 10 is showing up at the Feast of Dedication to say clearly to Israel that He is the manifest, miraculous fulfillment of Hanukkah. He is the light. He is the temple. He's the, he's the festival of light. He is the source of all light. You know when you light the Hanukkah, when you light each of the days, the eight days, four on each side. You, you always light it from the source in the center. And he literally is saying to them in John chapter 10, I'm that source in the center. I and the Father are one. When he says I and the Father are one, they quickly in their mind are immediately going to Genesis chapter 1, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they're kind of going, oy vey, this guy thinks he's God. The God who said, let there be light. Literally in Hebrew, light be and light was, is standing before them as the fulfillment of Hanukkah. 
calling for them to dedicate their lives to following His voice and becoming a part of His flock. (laughs) The one who declared, let there be light, is the one who then being born on Bethlehem said to the world, I am the light. I'm the source of light. Who, interestingly enough, before He ascends back to heaven, looks at His flock, looks at His followers and says, you're the light of the world. I will fill you with this miraculous light, and you will go and you will, in my name, illuminate the darkness. Darkness has no choice in the matter. Light comes on, then darkness flees. And then if you were with us on Christmas Eve, at the 11 o'clock service, the place was packed and everyone had a candle and the lights didn't need to be on because the candles lit up the place. And we read that passage from Revelation where it says, in heaven there is no sun For the Lamb of God is the light of heaven. The Lamb is our light. He's the source and the center of our light. He's the fulfillment of Hanukkah. And He is the temple. You know, it's it's, it's Him saying, I'm the light of the world. And then He turns to His followers and says, and I'm going to fill you with that light so that now you're the light of the world. He says the same thing with the temple. He says, I'm the temple. And then He turns to His followers and He says, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're where, you're where God dwells. God no longer dwells in, in temples made with hands. He dwells in His followers. He dwells in us. And He's pointing all of this out in John chapter 10, and it is mind-blowing, not just of what's taken place so that Hanukkah can be fulfilled, but also what will take place futuristically speaking. Look at John 10 with me again. Some of the choice words that he uses here really stands out to me. Namely, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. You see that? Underline that. You know why? Because if you've been with us in our imminent series in First and Second Thessalonians, that's what we're waiting for, to hear his voice. Right? That's the rapture. That's a reference in the fulfillment of their feast of dedication to a future event known as the rapture. In fact, let me just, if I may for a moment, read to you from 1 Thessalonians, because here's what we're waiting for. Here's what's going to happen. For this we say to you, 1 Thessalonians verse four, verse, chapter 4, verse 15, we, we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive will be caught up. That's, that's what he's saying here in John chapter 10. He's saying, he's saying to Israel, you're not really in my pasture. You're not really in my flock. You're not really my sheep because you don't know my voice. We here right now, the true church, the bride of Christ are waiting to hear his voice. And then we who have been filled with his light, check this out, listen to this. We've been filled with His life, will ascend like a flame to meet Him in the Lord and to forever be in His presence. You want further evidence? In John chapter 10, not only does He use rapture language when He says, my sheep hear my voice, twice, not once, twice He uses the word snatch. No one can snatch you out of my hand and no one can snatch you out of my Father's hand for the fact of the matter is it's the same hand. You know what that word snatch is? Harpuzo. Where in the Latin Vulgate we get the word 
rapture. Rapture. To be snatched away, to be caught up, to meet the Lord in the air. I hope with all my heart that's what you're living for. For there has never been a year according to the Gregorian calendar that we follow and the Jewish calendar to which we're referencing this morning, there has never been a year that converges so beautifully together than the year 2020. Oh, you might not want to miss next weekend. He has filled us with the miraculous light to which Hanukkah is dedicated in representing, and that light needs to be kept aflame, kept aflame like you're about to witness and see in this choir that just belts out their voices to the glory of God. And I hope as we play it that it just somehow runs through the aisles and rows of our church in the most contagious of ways. We need to be excited about this church. Because it's what's about to happen. We are on the brink of this taking place. And so here, here, here he is, participating in Hanukkah. But he is using that participation to point them towards the end time fulfillment of what's about to take place. And I think what's fascinating, maybe even more than just the Hanukkah celebration itself, it's the date of Hanukkah. Remember the date? The ninth month on the Jewish calendar, the 24th day, the 24th of Kislev. And it was on that date, coincidentally, where history again repeated itself. It was that date here on our headlines, down in the corner, kind of hard to see, but Hanukkah, 165 B.C., 24th of Kislev, the celebration of the rededication of the temple and the light that didn't go out miraculously was kept alive. And then in the year 1917, it repeats itself on the 24th of Kislev, this guy by the name of Allenby rides into Israel and delivers them once again, liberates them from, from, the, from the control of, the, at that point in 1917, the control not of Antiochus Epiphanes and not of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and not of Egypt and Pharaoh, but this time in 1917, like just 100 years ago, liberates them from being under the control of the Turks and the Muslims. And that happened on the Gregorian calendar. It happened on December 9th, 1917, where Allenby rode in with the British forces and delivered Israel from the captivity and rule of the Turks and the Muslims. And on the Jewish calendar, guess what day it was? Anyone, anyone, anyone? The 24th of Kislev. That the so-called governor, the Turk Muslim governor of Israel at the time, stole the horse from the American Colony Hotel. A horse and buggy. And uh, that's a whole other sermon in itself. If you ever been to Israel, you've got to visit the American Colony Hotel. That's the estate and trust of a man by the name of Horatio Spafford who wrote the lyrics to the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Now, if you love that hymn like I do, he took all of his money as a very, very wealthy attorney in Chicago when he found out through a telegram from his wife that his daughters had passed away, perished at sea. And he gets to the spot when he travels the Atlantic, the spot where the, where the, where the ship um, um, 
containing his daughters, went down. He, he wrote on the back of an envelope the words to the hymn, It is well with my soul. And, and they to this day are posted and publicly available for you to see in the lobby of the American Colony Hotel. And all of his money, all of his estate, all of his trust went to reach Israel by creating an American colony where his, his family later would, would, would serve, and in fact, still too to this day. Suffice it to say, uh, the governor of Israel at the time is Turk Muslim that now Allen B. Is, 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 is ridding the city and the nation of, steals a horse from that hotel, and leaves a surrender note at the front desk. <laughs> And all of that went down on the 24th of Kislev on the Jewish calendar. Can I go a little deeper with you real quick? Okay, go to Haggai 2. Certainly you have found it by now. Haggai chapter 2. Look at verse 15. Now carefully consider from this day forward... From before the stone that was laid in the temple of the Lord. Now, this day forward, if you want to just, if you're like, I want to know what day we're talking about, which day is being referenced to in verse 15, Bob. Just don't drop in mid wave. Okay, back up with me. Look at verse 10. Haggai chapter 2, verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month. Hello, day? What's the day? Hanukkah. 24th of Kislev, the ninth month on the Jewish calendar. On that day, look at verse 15. Now carefully consider from this day forward, from before the stone that was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to a heap of 20 ephahs, there were only 10. He needed 20. He only got 10. Sort of like where we began in Isaiah chapter 9. It's a downward spiral of depression. The economy is weak. The economy is low. And if you think this economy that is soaring right now is going to remain, again, you, just, you might want to come next weekend. So this guy shows up and he's like, uh, I'd like to buy 20 ephahs. They're like, uh, sorry, we only have 10 for you. Or the one who came and he wanted a wine vat to draw 50 baths from the, from the press. There was only 20. The Lord says, um, I struck you with blight and mildew and hail. In other words, the difficulty of verse 16 was compounded when you get to verse 17. In addition to there being lack and you wanted more, I struck you further with blight and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. You know, there's a purpose for your pain. There's a purpose for the trial. There's seasons when we go through difficulties where the Lord is wanting to create in us a further dependence. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. It's happening to me right now. I'm getting racked. I'll tell you why. Because we're putting in fields. We're claiming new ground. And every time we stand up to go forward with the Lord, the enemy stands in opposition, and we are messing with his plans in this town. We are messing with Satan's plans for marriages and families through this church and school, and he's not taking it lying down. But greater is he that's in us. 
than he that's in the world. When we even go through difficulties and trials, it's the Lord causing me and you to be on our knees dependently all the more seeking to hear His voice. You know, I was speaking to you through all of these circumstances, but you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Now look at His grace and mercy. Check this out. Verse 18, consider now from this day, what day? What day are we talking about? Oh, He reminds you. From this day forward, from the 24th day of Kislev, the ninth month, from the day, Hanukkah, that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Consider what? Consider this. In the midst of all of your trials and storms and difficulties, can I just ask you this? Is there still seed in the barn? Well, yeah, you know what? I wanted more, though. I wanted 20 ephahs. Yeah, 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 I get that. But um, is there food on your table? Is there a roof over your head? Is there still seed in the barn? As yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have not yielded fruit, but from this day, from this day forth, I'll bless you. And again, the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. It's the third time that he's wanted you to be reminded what day it is. And then he speaks futuristically of a prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. He says, verse 21, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah. Now, when Solomon built the temple, Nebuchadnezzar came in with Babylon and destroyed that temple, took all of the artifacts, even the menorah, and defiled them in the temple of their gods back in Babylon. And then Artaxerxes lets them come back and rebuild the temple, the second temple, the temple literally that's known as the temple of Zerubbabel. That's the temple that was around when Jesus goes to celebrate Hanukkah in John chapter 10. Herod had added a few of his touches, but it's the second temple period. Now he's futuristically looking all the way to the end of time and says this. He says, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I'll overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'll overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I'll destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. Let me just ask you, let me just ask you, has that happened? Certainly not in its fullness has it happened. I mean, how could that have happened in its fullness when Rome comes in and destroys Zerubbabel's temple in 70 A.D.? This is a promise yet to be fulfilled. I will shake heaven and earth. Where are you reminded of that if not in the book of Revelation? Earthquakes, meteors, stars falling from the sky, a parallel passage to Ezekiel chapter 38, destruction and confusion and ultimate invasion. Look what he says. I'll shake the heaven and the earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'll destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride on them. The horses and the riders will come down and everyone by the sword of his brother. That is the mass Destruction and confusion of the battle of Armageddon where we're told the blood will be as high as the bridle on the horse. It's yet to be fulfilled. For according to verse 23, now the fourth time he says, in that day, says the Lord host, the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shittiel, says the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring. I'll make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. That ought to be a little reminder 
of a very famous story in Scripture where a dad like our Heavenly Father is sitting on the porch waiting for his boy to come home. And when that boy finally comes to his senses, having run out of friends and money, and says in the hog pen, I could go home and have a better life than this, and the dad sees him break the horizon and runs to him and puts on his finger, what? The signet ring of his family identity, that's a picture of Israel, and the heart of God that's saying, please come home. How wild is that prophecy? How wild is this date on the calendar that keeps showing up that is the actual day of the celebration of feast and light and temple restoration known as Hanukkah? He is our light. And we now are to shine our light. Let your light so shine among men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. He's our temple. And now because of His presence within us, being born in us as He was born in Mary, we become His temple. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are to have this mission. We are to have this passion to go into all the world and proclaim His hope and His joy and His love and His salvation to all who are still stuck and caught under the heaviness of their sin, groping for light in the darkness. Talk about a picture of Kanye West, a kid who has left his life being lived in the darkness and is being used by God to bring his generation into the light. You want to talk about a guy that we should be praying for who was on the road to destruction who is now experiencing God's restoration. So I thought it would just be fun in the midst of the wrap-up of this series to drop in on a little interview that James Corden has with Kanye on a flight to L.A. with a great gospel choir. And then at the end of enjoying this clip, we'll close our service in prayer. Watch this. Attention, ladies and gentlemen. Flight number 808 with service to Los Angeles has been canceled. Please see a gate agent for further assistance. Again, flight 808 oh, to Los Angeles has been canceled. Oh, no. Hey, mate. Hey, yeah, you're not going to believe this. My flight's just been canceled. Yeah, I know. You're, you're, not, you're not heading to LA, are you? Thank you so much for this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I yeah. appreciate it so much. Hang on, I just gotta get this. Is this yours? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Is there any? No, that's it's a little shuffle. 
apologies. Sorry about that. Oh, am I taking the middle seat? Yes, you are. It's a little selfish. Oh, hang on. I forgot this. Just. Oh, God. Sorry. Is this yours? Can I? Ah, there we go. Back to room. Okay. We're in. We're in. We're in. Crushed it. Oh. Now, listen. This entire flight, this guy's yours, all right? Let me get some shut eye. Pop the old head on there. <laughs> probably zone out, watch a movie or something. Here we go. Kanye, get off the phone. Kanye, get off the phone. Kanye, we're taking off. Yo, yo, we're taking off. <laughs> Let me hit you when we're done. Kanye, get off the phone! <laughs> Are we ready? <laughs> Sunday service. When did you go, this is the thing I want to do? Actually, when I went to the hospital a few years ago, I wrote in the hospital, start a church in Calabasas. It's something I had a feeling that I needed to do that God put on my heart. And now he just keeps on taking me to new levels and taking us to other levels that we, we didn't even imagine before. Beatbox. saying he's having. I don't believe if I look at the last two, three, four, five years of his life, I don't believe that this can be as uh, night and day as it is. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's that, you, what... that you would be one day living your life in one way and now saying everything is for this. I'm not sure I believe it. What would you say to those people? Well, I'd say when you go to sleep, would you agree that you are asleep when you are asleep? And when you wake up, would you agree that you are awake when you are awake? Yeah. Would you agree that, that those are two different states? People who don't believe are walking dead. They are asleep. And this is the awakening. That's it, we're down.
to get out of here. How many Ubers do we need? One, two, three. Let's all stand, church. Can you praise God for that? Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Let's all stand. That's just five minutes of a 20-minute clip that you can find on YouTube. Show it to your kids. At one point, James Corden confesses to Kanye that being in that environment, he felt even his heart being drawn closer to God. Do you hear what Kanye said? This is the awakening. That's the plane you want to be on. That's the joy you want to have. And that's the message we want to share. Lord, may we all be as bold as Kanye to shine for you. Fill us with your light. You are the source and you are the center. Make us your temple and use us for your glory to reach this world both now and in the days to come, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service. Or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.